Welcome everybody to Bite the Bullet. I'm your host, Jay Reese, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have another awesome show for you. And I say it's awesome because it's not often that I get to bring people on that I can honestly say I've known for years. Dare I say, I've known this gentleman for decades. Oh my God, I feel so old right now. <laughs> but this guy, he is so awesome. He has been a road dog for years. I mean, there, there, there are times, just like in everybody's life, we kind of like fell apart for a little bit just because life happens. You know what I'm saying? But while life was happening, he was doing things. He was grinding and becoming the man you about to see when I bring him up. But let me go ahead and stop badgering and read his intro just to give you an idea, a piece, a glimpse of who this guy is. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Julius Phillips Jr. was born and raised in Marion, South Carolina, where growing up was tough, but he was able to find a piece of happiness within his art. However, it wasn't until after watching Toy Story in the eighth grade, he realized he would he wanted to be an artistic or have an artistic career. So he did what he could to study and hone his craft. Unfortunately, after years of working on it, when he graduated, he realized scholarships weren't enough to help him push to his dream to push his dreams forward. And like many of us, he had to put his dreams on hold in the summer of 2000. Julius joined the U.S. Navy, where he went on to have a stellar naval career. And in 2012, oh, pff, Julius, my bad dog. I butchered that intro, so I'm going to go ahead and redo that. <laughs> okay, because I want to make sure I give you you're just do. All right. So I'm going to do that intro real quick and I'm going to edit what I first did and just, I'm no, just going to do fine. redo this whole thing. It's fine. I'll try to figure right. out what happened in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> so my bad. So, like, let me, like I said, let me just redo that whole part. I was, I, was, I, was, I was excited. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry, dude. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to have it back up, but I got ahead of myself because I knew what was coming up and, but I digress. I'm going to do it over. <laughs> <clears throat> Welcome, everybody, to Bite the Bullet. I'm your host, Jay Reese, and it is not often that I get to say that I have someone here that is just special, that is just down-to-earth, down good, and honest, and I've known for years, dare I say decades, and yes, I feel old right now. I, I, I feel old just by saying that I've known this, this gentleman for decades, but I'm happy to bring him on, and let me quit badgering and go ahead and read his intro. Julius Phillips Jr. was born and raised in Marion, South Carolina, where growing up was tough, but he was able to find a place of happiness within his heart. However, it wasn't until after watching Toy Story in the eighth grade, he realized he wanted an artistic career. So he did what he could to study and hone his craft. Unfortunately, Upon graduating from Marion High School, he found his he found his scholarships weren't enough to help him push forward. So, like many of us, he put his dreams on hold. And in the summer of of 2000, 
Julius joined the U.S. Navy, where he went on to have a stellar naval career. And in 20, excuse me, and in 2004, he married his childhood best friend, Alma, and became a father shortly after his daughter and had his daughter, Simone. He he's currently in the medical field as he still draws and works on his craft in his spare time. But Julius hasn't given up on his dreams because he got an idea to become a child's, excuse me, his children's book author after illustrating a book for family. Since having that idea, Julius has released his first book, I Want to Be a Superhero, and its sequel, I Want to Be a Superhero 2. And Julius has also published his third book, Our Daddy's Love. I want everyone to welcome Julius Phillips Jr. to the show. Welcome, Julius. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I need to get a clap or something when I say welcome, everyone, because they just like no silence. But I need I, that's something that I definitely need to do. And my apologies for stumbling a little bit, my friend. But, you know, this is live. Things happen. We do what we do. We still roll with it, right? I'm just excited about that intro. I, I felt felt like a million bucks there. So thank you for your kind words. Well, 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 well. It's true, man. Like me, and you have known each other actually since junior high, I believe, eighth grade. Like eighth grade, I don't think me and you really hung out, but we were like in. We were both at Jonakin Middle School in South Carolina, Marion, South Carolina, and I think like I moved there seventh in seventh grade, beginning of eighth grade, something like that. But it wasn't until probably high school where me and you finally started clicking and hanging out like all the time. Yeah, right. You that yeah, you're right, because you were like the new kid, and, you know, I had my clique of people. And, right. um, you know, when you get to high school, you know, you start expanding your mm -hmm. your circle more. You know, there's more people. You know, I joined day in, and I started right. people. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, if, if you guys, to give a little backstory on Julius, um, Julius is one of those people that is often hard to find something negative to say about Julius because even in high school I want to say I don't think I ever heard anyone saying anything bad about Julius you, you know what I'm saying it was just one of those things oh wow uh, look, I mean I, I know I have my nerdy side or whatnot but um, I'm just glad I ain't hear anything either <laughs> <laughs> right right so Julius let me go ahead and ask you have three three published books you have you had an awesome naval career you're a married man your father as of right now what has been the challenge the most challenging thing you think you've experienced in your life right now um well to be brutally honest uh my health mm -hmm. um, oh really okay well because my um my health is the reason why my career had ended um, I was mm. diagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes when I was in mm -hmm. the Navy. And okay. um, my condition had gotten so unstable to the mm -hmm. point where it was like, well, we can't keep you. Um, mm. Matter of fact, uh, just real brief, the same week my daughter was born, I got hospitalized. Mm. And we was like, me, my wife, and my daughter was all in the hospital at the same time. And, okay. Um, so when that week happened, you know, I got the, the naval doctors had told me pretty much my career was over. 
Mm, okay. So, you know, here I am experiencing the best thing in my life and getting the worst news of my life at the same time. So that was I would mm-hmm. say that I would say that was a struggle. So that that was probably one of the toughest things. Okay, so let me ask. Your daughter's being born, which is one of the best moments in any person's life. Because I remember when my first child, my daughter, was born. And there was fear, there was anxiety, but there was happiness, and there was joy, right? And on the same token, your bread and butter, your I'm assuming what was probably your livelihood, was essentially being taken from you. What was going through your mind? Like, how were you able to transition and find a different career? Um, well, that was um, actually was the blessing behind it. Um, I'm in my mm. hospital room and I'm sitting here feeling like a, a total failure. Okay. And um, I had uh, my mentor come in. Her name is Benita Johnson. But um, she's retired Navy now. And mm-hmm. I remember her coming to my hospital room and she was telling me about this career that mm-hmm. I could do that uh, basically would help me transition. And it mm-hmm. was a polysomnographer and, and pretty much in layman's terms, that's a sleep technician. And what we okay. do, you know, we, we do sleep studies on patients and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's my current career right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been doing that for the last 16 years, and I was mm-hmm. doing that in the Navy as long as, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say about, about 16, 17 years. And um, I was also a respiratory therapist while I was in the Navy as well. Yeah. So that's that's what actually kind of helped me transition over into the civilian sector. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, I did have, I did lost hope far as like what I'm gonna do, what I'm gonna do. But I didn't realize I was um, sitting and sleeping on a gym that would help yeah. me help me, you know, and my family. And essentially my career kinda was an open door for the rest of my family because I have two family members who are doing the exact same thing I'm doing now. And that's my wife and my sister in law. Mm-hmm. So I will say it was kinda like my career opened the door and it gave us a livelihood that was that was really really nice really mm. nice so i couldn't I, I, I couldn't complain okay well let me ask i know in the in your intro i i read about Art and drawing has always been one of your passion. I mean, I can even attest to that. I remember back in the day, me and you being in art class or just see, almost any time I saw you, you had a sketch pad or you were doodling something. So at what point did you say that was something you were going to continue with? Because even as you just said it, the career you have now seems to have opened up so many doors. Why go back to art or, or why start the other endeavors that you've, you've done? Um, never giving up, really. Um, it's weird because I remember when I went to the Navy and Mm -hmm. I went, I'm I'm in boot camp and I'm drawing in the the rookie notebook and everything. If anybody in the Navy is listening to this right now, um, they'll know what the rookie notebook is all about. And I would, (laughs) 
I, I would actually get in trouble for it in boot camp. It was like, what is this? Seaman Phillips and ripped the page uh-huh. out. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know how many times I did push-ups just for drawing in my rookie notebook. But uh-huh. uh, it was it was something that I kept going with. Um, I would do designs for people. Like, they wanted mm. tattoos. When I was on my yeah. ship, and I would do designs for them. But it was something that never really stopped. I had a point where I had kind of, like, took a break from art. Yeah. Because I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. But um, just somehow, I would always find inspiration somewhere. Somewhere. Right. Whether well, it was a new show that come out on TV, a little cartoon, or mm-hmm. I'll pass by a book and I see something mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. Let me see if I can try that. You yeah. Know, and, and come to find out, you know, I mean, of course, it's 50 50 where, you know, either I failed or I succeeded. But within those failures, um, mm-hmm. I learned so much from it. So it would caused me to go and do research. Mm. Thank God and thank God for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, I feel like the internet is definitely um an equalizer when it comes for comes to people being able to go out and do the things they want to do because they can finally resource it. They don't have to just go to a library, which I mean I'm not knocking libraries, but it, it puts things just immediately in your hand. I tell my kids all the time, your phones, I mean, my kids are very blessed. They're, they're, you are, your phone is not a toy. It's a tool. And if you use it correctly, you can find and get anything you need in this world. You never have to ask anybody for advice because it's right there in your hand, right? Oh. So let me ask you, like, even listening to you just now, it seems that your passion has been something that has just always been with you throughout your life i mean you even said it at, at the risk of getting in trouble and having to do more push-ups and getting yelled at and fussed that you were still drawing right and i can relate to that so much because i have always been a storyteller and an entertainer um similar to you yeah julie's has some stories trust me <laughs> we'll say that for different podcast people no. but I remember there were times when I was in basic for the Air Force, I would get in trouble because I would have my fellow um, airmen laughing when we were supposed to be asleep or we would be marching and people are like, just don't want to march. And I'll be cracking jokes, you know, because like I was I'm just that kind of a person. And even now, like doing something like this, I've had I have one book and I'm working on my next book. I'm just a, a storyteller, like I'm that type of person. And it always it's always in me. Like I always have to do it. And hearing you say that now, I hope people understand if there's something in you that you just keep going back to, you keep thinking of, even if you put it down for a while, it's still there and tugging on you in the back of your head, like like a little splinter or just like something there, right? So you have two uh, excuse me, you have three books that are currently out to purchase right now. And let me ask. So you had your military career. You had to get out. You transitioned to this medical field. And then all of a sudden, like I've worked with medical people in a previous lifetime. (laughs) Another podcast people, trust me. But let me go ahead and ask you. This you had this medical career, right? So now. What happened 
that made you transition to say, you know what, I'm going to put three books out. And we'll, and everyone, I know everyone's like, well, what three books? We'll get to that in a second. I trust you, people. I'm, I'm working on something. But <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me ask you, what made you go and decide, I'm going to write three books? Because not everyone's going to say, I'm going to write three books. Or at least I'm not going to write a book. Well, okay. So, Jeff, if I can, if I can go back in time real quick with you. Yeah. Um, remember in high school, I used to draw these um, these comics, these little short comics. Right. And um, mm-hmm. it was something that I've always kind of worked with. I only shared it with quite a few people, like my close circle. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It was, it was always something that was in the back of my mind, you know. I always... One, you know, like I said, when he was talking about Toy Story earlier, um, yeah. I saw a Toy Story that changed my life completely. Mm-hmm. And um, it was something that I've always wanted to work with. Some form of children's entertainment, whether it was Saturday morning cartoons or Sunday comics or mm-hmm. to be a comic book artist or a children's book author. And um, I never really let anybody know what that children's book author side because I was so into the comics and everything. I was always drawing mm-hmm. like characters and stuff like that. But um, uh, I had a project for a family member who was uh, mm-hmm. um, if you're if you're looking at YouTube, you can look on uh, Merch Life TV. Um, his name is Jeremy Boyer. Um, he contacted me. I want to say late April of last year. And um, he had a situation with a, 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 an illustrator and mm-hmm. uh, was looking for a new illustrator at the point, you know, I'm hoping I'm not doing too much. But um, he contacted me and asked me if I could have something, you know, done. He gave me the ID, which I did to me. And the name of the project was My, Mo- uh, My Mother Is. And, you know, he talked to me about it, gave the idea, he gave me the manuscript, and um, mm-hmm. I looked at the manuscript, and for each page that I read, um, I had ideas that floated yeah. through my mind, and I was able to project those ideas for this book, and um, he talked to me about it, I showed him the pages, and he loved everything that I presented to him, and um, yeah. We uh, got it published, and while everything was waiting to uh, to manifest, and it's mm-hmm. weird because I started this project. I want to say maybe a few days before Mother's Day mm-hmm. of last year, yeah. And the book was done because I was working fast. I mean, I was working really fast on this project. The book mm-hmm. was done by Memorial Day, mm. so I was like dealing with dad, I was dealing with school, I was mm-hmm. um, dealing with work, and, Yeah, you know, in between all that stuff, I was trying to find time to uh, to work on this book, which, you know, just so happened to have a chance to do so. Um, so in the meantime, while we was waiting, I asked him, I was like, well, it was always in the back of my mind, I want to do a children's book. Hmm. And I asked okay. him, I was like, how did he, uh, I said, how did you go about doing it? And, um, you know, he was so gracious enough to tell me the process of what he did, you okay. know, to publish a book through Amazon. And okay. um, 
when he gave me the steps to do so. Mm-hmm. I was like, is that it? That was simple. I right. mean, it was, it was just simple because before, you know, it was like, you got a shopping book around to see if there's a publishing company that wants to even invest mm-hmm. in you, you know? Right. And I, I can just remember in the past that it seemed so hard to do it. But... Right. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, I agree completely that again the internet has made everything a level playing field right and it's so easy for people to go out and self-publish now and my book is actually self-published i paid for an editor i paid for a cover artist it's my words but i published it similar to you i did amazon and it's just the process itself is it's very easier than what I thought it was going to be. I'm right. not going to say it's 100 percent easy, but it's definitely easier than what I thought it was, was going to be. Was uh, lot, it, was, it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. It was. It was like, oh, the sweat is off my brow now. You know, I can just right. Not now that I have this information, I can just go ahead and just dive into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- exactly. So, anyone out there, if you would like me to do a whole episode about publishing or putting things up on on Amazon or actually any other publishing platforms please in the comments or message me just let me know if that's something you guys actually want because I don't want to take up too much time because that could be a whole hour two hour podcast in itself (laughs) but so Julius let me let me go ahead and ask what are your books about because I know you're saying they're they're children's books and I've read I've read I Want to Be a Superhero, the first one. I haven't read the sequel yet. I need to go ahead and purchase that, and I promise you I will purchase that. Actually, in another podcast, I'm going to show it up. So, everyone, you're going to hold me accountable, people. In another podcast, I'm going to show you proof that I actually ordered and and I stayed to my word. So, what is your book, Julius? What is I Want to Be a Superhero all about? Okay, so, brief. I would say that it's a story about a kid's imagination or mm-hmm. what they would like to do. You know, as kids, we always say, mm. okay, I want to be the Red Ranger. I want to be the Green Ranger, you know. And, right. And, 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 like, yeah, you always make that You always make that uh, comparison and you always want to do these things. I want to have super speed. I want to mm-hmm. have super strength. I want to fly. Um, right. This book is about a kid who wants all of that, but a kid who also thinks on the, the same path of reality and realizes that he can't mm. do it. So he's kind of like down on himself because oh wow, I really want to do all this stuff but right. I know it's not possible. Mm-hmm. But his father comes in and basically is telling him that even though you cannot have these abilities mm-hmm. you can still do all the things that you want to do in life by mm. pursuing your dreams. Like, for instance, I think one of the pages that I had in there, it says, okay, you want to fly? Become a pilot. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, it, the book is in the rhyming format. Mm-hmm. And um, it, just, it just basically, it's a relationship between a parent and a child basically giving son the motivation to want 
still do those things of a superhero, mm-hmm. but from a different standpoint. Yeah. And and it's, it's funny, funny because I had to give a speech about two weeks ago, I think it was. And one of the things that I always constantly speak about is the fact that we are superheroes. We have superpowers inside of us, but because we grow up, we're expected to be adults, right? We're not, we're not expected to do all these great things. We're supposed to get a nine to five job, take care of whatever responsibilities we have, and that's it. But people don't understand that superpower, having superpower isn't necessarily having laser laser beams or having super strength. It's, it's the desire to want to go out and do great things, right? A parent that makes ends meet is doing great things. They might not be getting recognized for it, but they're doing great things, right? So it's funny when I read, um, I want to be a superhero, I related to it so much because also in my speech, I mentioned how when I was a kid, I had people around me who were constantly telling me to fit in and just to be normal. And that stifled me for a very long time. And I had to break out of that mode. So reading your book, and I understand it's a child's book, but it helped me say, you know what? I can do great things. I can I can be who I want to be. I can be a superhero, you know? So I think people need to recognize that they are superheroes. I, and, that, and, and, and that was the whole point of the book because um, I remember talking to parents who read this book to the kids mm-hmm. and um, it really did my heart justice to um, see the response. You know, I had one parent tell me that uh, that he referred to my books as family story time because I love it was that. such it was such a uh, a relatable topic that was able to reach not only the child but to reach the parent as well. Uh, and um, you know, my wife, my wife is my editor, so mm-hmm. discount by the way, <laughs> <laughs> discount. Now my right. wife, my, now my wife and my sister in law was my editors for mm-hmm. all three of my books. Yeah, and um. One thing that I realized is when she was looking through the books. Now, mm-hmm. there, now I, I will say this: that it was some stuff that was changed, mm. um, and those changes came, yeah, from, from her mind. Mm-hmm. And um, she made me realize that, okay, this is your audience. Mm. What do you want your audience to feel, not to see? But what mm-hmm. you want your audience to feel mm. when you put this message out there. Because here you are putting out a children's book. Mm-hmm. Children's minds are like a sponge. Right. So whatever they see in front of them, whether it's positive or whether it's negative, they soak that in. Mm-hmm. And that will affect it's like a trajectory. Like it affects whatever path they go on mm-hmm. later in life. Right. So you want you want to make sure that you have a positive impact on your audience when you put this out there, mm-hmm. and um, that was something that I kept in mind when I was writing the books. 
And, um, you know, even when it came down to pictures, you know, she'll come behind. I'm, I'm, I'm working on my computer, mm-hmm. you know, doing the graphic designs for each page. Right. Um, and it was like, I wouldn't add that. Or, mm. oh, that looks nice. Oh, that looks real nice. You know, like, like I'm getting right. comments behind my, and, and, uh-huh. and it was a, it was a, it was a struggle. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna right. lie, it was a struggle. <laughs> And to have your editor live with you, and you got she is my strongest critic, might I add. She's my strongest critic, but oh. I, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love well, it well, well, hold on. So, like, there's 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 three points that I think you just profoundly made, and I want to make sure I don't just gloss over those. So, the first point is that whatever your resources are, make sure you're knowing who and what they are. So as Julius just mentioned, his his editors were his wife and his sister-in-law. So he used what was around him to do it. I mean, do, like, don't get me wrong. Like, don't sit there and get something because it's cheap or just because that's what's there. Make sure you put somebody that can fit into the position that you need, but use the resources that are around you. The second point that I, that I want to emphasize is that statement that you mentioned a moment ago was the pictures aren't as important as, or excuse me, the pictures and the words weren't as important as how you made them feel, right? Because one of the best quotes in, I have ever come across is people might not remember what you say to you, what you say to them, but they'll always remember how you made them feel, right? And that goes with books, movies television shows, your encounters with different people. So to go into writing this and know that, dude, I think you were way ahead of the curve on a lot of different things when it comes to writing this book. And then the last and final thing that I just want to hit on is the fact of having people around you that are open and honest enough to tell you what you need to hear particularly when you need to hear it. And then you being open and receiving enough to be able to say, you know what? You got a point. You got a point. So you know how tough that was for me. Oh yeah. By far. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Cause it's, cause I find it funny that like um, me and my wife, we have been married for uh, almost 15 years now. I got to make sure I get that number right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please 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 <laughs> Your life is on the line here, sir. Exactly, right? So I find that like we have been together for so long now. We are just still getting to the point where we can be brutally honest with each other. And not in a mean malicious way but out of a loving heart like you know what? Just like how you were saying your wife did was like, "You know what? I don't think you want to add that. You might not need to add that." Oh, yeah. You know? And it's it's stuff like that that People like that, you need to have around in every aspect of your life. I remember one of the fame, one of my favorite things to tell my ch- my kids are: make sure you have four quarters in your life instead of a hundred pennies. You know what I'm saying? So choose your friends wisely, because it's better to have those four quarters than a hundred pennies. And I try to use that, do that in every aspect of my life, every relationship. I try to make sure I have people who I value. And they value me. So I think those p- three points that you just made, awesome, dude. I, I love it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And that's, I, I like that. Uh, I like that quote there. With the four that's, 
Really? Honestly, I don't even remember where I got that from, but I've been saying it for so long now. I'm just claiming like I came up with it. So yeah, that was mine. I got it. Yeah. But that's uh, my bank pocket right now. Exactly right. So which honestly, I heard. Um, I was talking to some of my mentors, and we talk about quoting people all the time. So there's a rule of thumb when you're quoting people. So you say it once, and you quote them. You quote where you got it from. You say it twice. You still probably quote where you got it from. You say it the third time. You just say casually, you know, I don't even remember where I got that from. And then after that, you don't even have to quote nobody anymore. You just say it like it's yours. So I'm just like, huh, okay, sure. I'll start doing that, whatever, okay. But now I think I think now might be a perfect time to segue to what has come to be one of my favorite times of the podcast, of the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to bite the bullet. Now, as many of you know that have already tuned into the show, and if you haven't tuned the show tuned into the show my first question is where have you been and why have you been watching me that's my first question the second question is julius are you ready to bite the bullet now before you answer before you answer everyone julius has not seen these questions these are some tough hitting questions that are going to make you and the audience think so julius you can back out of these questions you don't have to do the questions if you don't like or if you don't want to but if you don't answer these questions, we're going to be suspect, or excuse me, you are going to be suspect, and we're going to start to wonder about you and your honesty. Are oh. you ready to? Are you ready to bite the bullets, my friend? That's right. Don't pump Kool Aid. Let's go. All right. Oh, I like that. I like that. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's go. Okay. First question, my friend. What's the most important thing you've learned? so far in your life and why most important thing that I've learned in my life is being true to myself mm. the reason why I say this is because I can I can be honest and say that part of my life I can say that I try I, I live another life because I was shameful of some things that mm-hmm. I was either associated with right. or just stuff that was personal to me and um, I realized that it's not where you come from it's where you're going it's more of a self-realization of what your path was and where you want your path to be mm. I love that I love that no. um, next question what is the best tip for making the world a better place. In your opinion. Be kind. Be kind. I I can't express that enough. I mean, you got so many hateful people out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like there's people out there that prey on your downfall, like even if you trip. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of growth is learning from your mistakes and picking yourself up. But mm-hmm. as you're learning from your mistakes, you got people on the sidelines that's always talking about, uh, see, he done fell flat, she done fell flat on her face. Mm-hmm. And they're really not kind to the process. Mm-hmm. Be kind to each other. And you can see a lot of, a lot of those hateful walls melt down. Dude, I, I can agree. Like, 
one of my favorite things is always killing with kindness. And I'm a firm believer that just be kind. Just like how you said, you you will find more often than not people who are mean, vindictive, or just hateful seemingly people need the most love. And when you treat them with that kindness, maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, maybe not even the thousandth time, but there's going to be a moment where they're going to be like, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh yeah. So next question, what is one common myth about being an author that you want to debunk? I think one common myth about an author that I want to get from is the fact that you as an author mm-hmm. do not always have to have all the answers. Oh, I think that's a life quote, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you, you do not have you do not always have to have the answers. I mean, let's be honest. Would you think Stephen King is very knowledgeable on all life's values? I mean, there's probably hey hey hey. Don't you talk ill about Stephen King? I'm he not he, Ill. he is I'm not he is a god. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not no. I'm not talking ill of Stephen King. Right. So you know, there's probably some some fears that he may experience, mm-hmm. or there's probably some stuff that he may not have a lot of knowledge on. Right. And um, when I think people look at these books as they pass by, mm. especially how-to books and this and that mm-hmm. they i think the general public may have this idea that oh this person may know everything and that's right. not always the case that person oh. may have just done their research on that particular subject and whatever they gained in knowledge they was able to put forth into that project to present to you right i'm a firm believer that everyone you meet is going to know something you don't know and every person you meet, you're going to know something they don't know. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? And that's how so, we learn. Exactly. And it's funny that you bring up Stephen King because when I first started writing, I was, like you said, I was trying to search and find everything that I thought I might need to know before I start writing. And I came across a speech he had given to like uh, a panel or some kind of lecture hall, but he was talking to other wanting, wanting to be authors and stuff. And the question was something along the lines of, how do you know when your work is ready? How do you, how do you just write? So he took a second to, to think about his answer. And what he said, I think, has forever changed how I write. But he said, first of all, the first time you lay your story down on paper, typing or whatever you're however you're writing you're telling the story to yourself every time you go back and edit that story you're polishing it you're getting it ready to share to everyone else and then after you've polished it and worked on it so many times after that when you tell retell it to other people that story it's still going to get better and better and better because at that point it's just becoming something that you know. So I took that to heart and I had to realize 
everything I put on the paper, the first time I do it, it's just me getting out and telling the story to myself. So I don't worry about the mistakes. I don't worry about grammar. I don't worry about getting the story just right. It's just me telling the story to myself. That, that, brings, that brings me to um, I had just taken a writing class this past summer mm-hmm. in, in school. And um, it's just weird, you know, you mentioning that now where we went through the five steps of writing. Right. And you got mm-hmm. pre-writing brainstorming right and um i always found that pre-writing brainstorming mm-hmm. step was always yeah. my favorite because this is the moment where you get a chance to put everything on the line right there right. There, you don't have to worry about mistakes you don't have yeah. to worry about grammatical errors mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about um just how it sounds like, oh, you don't have to worry about any sign of intelligence. Mm-hmm. It could be, be babble. It could be rumbling thoughts. <laughs> right. But it's more of you. It's the mm-hmm. more natural, it's the more natural presence of the actual story. Mm-hmm. And then as you go back and you, you know, you edit this and you take away this and you add this. Mm-hmm. It sounds great. And um, I remember writing a few projects for this class. Yeah, and um, one of my teachers were saying, you know, well, you should really publish this story, mm-hmm. and there's something that I probably was not really interested in doing mm-hmm. because it was something personal to me. Yeah, but reading the story, I can understand that process of mm-hmm. really putting your thoughts out there and just mm-hmm. taking away and adding and making it the, the final project. This is your baby. This is something yeah. that you you give to the world. You know, here you go. <laughs> no, I, I agree completely, particularly with you calling it your baby, because there seems to be like some type of anxiety. Or I, I can't, I'm not going to speak for you or a lot of people out there, but I know for me, I felt a level of anxiety when I had to start physically pushing my story out there. You know what I'm saying? There was that like, oh, moment of like, I'm so excited, but at the same time, it's like, oh my God, are they going to like it? Oh my God, are people going to read this? Like, I, think, weird I, think, I think that's a, I honestly think that's a common behavior trait. Yeah. And it's amongst a lot of authors. Mm-hmm. You, you, you find seldomly that you have some kind of, ah, let's put it out there, ah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it, they don't like it. No, we all have this level of understanding where mm-hmm. you put it out there. You're putting yourself out there on the line, and you right. It's it's almost like a popularity contest. It's like mm-hmm. I'm putting myself out there. Right. I hope you like me, or you found like Ace material. You really like me. Really, really like. <laughs> I know, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yo, when I started getting reviews for my book, which if you're watching this, and I I am so thankful if you bought a copy of my book, and if you bought a copy, please review it. You guys have no idea how, oh, see, thank you. Thank you, my brother. Reviews are like gold to authors, particularly if they're selling on Amazon and other platforms, but reviews are just golden. Not, and not even just good reviews, just reviews, because it, it's, if one, it helps us understand what we might need to do for the next chapter or the next story. And if it's good, it helps that book get pushed up into various rankings. But again, I digress. That's a whole nother podcast. I, I understand. Just to add to that too, because mm-hmm. 
Um, out of my three books, two of them are a continuing story. Um, right. So this my second book, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the stuff that I did in that second book was mm-hmm. off reviews of my first book. Right. You know, and um, I think that that was a helpful piece of advice mm-hmm. that that definitely helped the author. It's of like, course. When, when it's, it's, it's crazy that if you're met with silence and you want to continue this dream, it's like, if you're, right. met, with, if you're met with silence, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, what am I supposed to do next? <laughs> right. Exactly. So I definitely agree with that statement mm-hmm. where, you know, reviews really help. Mm-hmm. Reviews really help the author mm-hmm. continue their passion. 100%, 100%. Let me get back to biting the bullet. So, Julius, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him? Don't be so stupid. <laughs> okay, please elaborate. What do you mean? Oh, my God. There's so many. And, 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 oh. and, 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 and Jay, you've known me. Since, yeah, yeah. You know me since '96, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah no, now, now I feel old, but <laughs> so I did a lot of things mm. at my age, eighteen. Mm. Like, for instance, when you you know when you talked about the scholarships, yeah. I wish, I wish I would have done more research with scholarships. And mm. just for the viewers, I mm-hmm. want the viewers to understand that I had a lot of people that cared about me. You know, when I was in school, I had a lot of people that cared about me. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, Mr. Scott Collins, our art teacher in high school, mm-hmm. um, helped me get a scholarship. Um, Mr. Steve Rummage, mm-hmm. uh, our band teacher. I got, a right. music, I got a music scholarship, mm-hmm. you know, and I had a brief amount of scholarships as a collective, but it wasn't enough to cover a year of college. And yeah. truth be told, I've heard horror stories of Sally Mae, and I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want to deal with Sally Mae. Sally Mae ain't getting, like, paying Sally Mae is like paying child support. I don't want to deal with it. You know, it's like, I was fearful of mm-hmm. financial aid. Right. And that was my ignorance because I was like, I can pay on that. Like, I look at it now. I was like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, to get that financial aid, at least I'll be able to continue my dream. And go mm. uh, I don't regret my path. Right. I don't regret my path. I, if I had to do everything all over again, I would do everything all over again. But the one thing I will tell 18-year-old Julius versus 38-year-old Julius, Mm-hmm. Is uh, don't be stupid. Uh, don't be don't be stupid. Mm. And even with like my my lack of a dating life, yeah. Back then, I I did so many things to try to gain attention, and it was definitely not worth it. But and it's, it's it's funny. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but it's funny that you mentioned that. And I'm about to I'm about to tell on myself just a little bit, just a little bit. So 
a long time, long, 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 long time ago. I used to date women, and Julius probably confirmed. Like I used to have girlfriends. But honestly, a lot of that was because I was insecure on the inside. To be honest, that's 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 exactly what it was. And I was going from person to person trying to look for some type of validation or justification in what I was doing, right? So I bring all that up to say, like, back then, I used to look at someone like you or you, and I would be like, wow, I wish I could be like that. Like, I don't have to have somebody around. But I would look at you and be like, he's so cool. He's so confident. Like, he's so happy just being him and just chilling by himself. And I felt like I always had to have someone, like, near me, on me, around me, or whatever, right? So it's funny, the perspective of different times and periods and stuff, right? You have no idea. I'm like, dang, how how did old boy get that one? You know, I'm like... Where's my thing? Uh, <laughs> where, where, where's my thing? I'm sitting here stuck behind this grill as a fry cook, and I ain't, I can't get a date to save my life. I got to check. I can take you out to eat, you know? I ain't got to smell like hamburgers and stuff like that. Ooh, I can smell like, man. You know, but no, oh. but I, I, I tell you, um, I think the reason why you may have saw it that way is because mm-hmm. I wasn't sweating it as much, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it would have been nice to have somebody on my arm at that time. Right. Because no, I get know, that. You know, people get lonely sometimes. You know, of I mean, course. I, de- yeah. I, I, de- I definitely had my moments in high mm-hmm. school. Yeah, but um, yeah. I, I, if I look back now, twenty mm-hmm. years ago, yeah. I would tell that guy, "Yeah, man, don't be stupid." You know, just slap him back in real quick. Wow, mm-hmm. don't be stupid. No, I, I, I get I get that completely. So another question, Julius. If you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Okay. Alright. Oh, that, that, that's a tough one. Mm, right? Okay. Uh, dead or alive. Okay, let me ask this question and a sub sub question to that one. Do they have to be celebrities or just random people? Any any person that that you want to have dinner with, any three people you want to have dinner with, and why? It don't matter who they were. We just got to know the why. Okay, so my guys are musicians. Okay, I'm not okay. Sure. Fair enough. Okay. So Prince. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I heard he made me pancakes according to Dave Chappelle. I don't know. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, according, according to Charlie Murphy, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, let's see, let's see, see, see. Sheila. Oh, okay. All right. Didn't see that one, but okay. I got. It. I, I see. Yeah. Because I mean, you remember I was a drummer, right? Um, I was in love with Sheila. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was gonna make a mind. That was my whole sole purpose of learning how to play drums. Uh, as you can see, that didn't happen. Okay. But Sheila E was another one. Oh, okay. Uh, let me see. And um, Barack Obama. Oh, okay. I can't be mad at but but why Barack Obama? 
Uh, because he is a person that I see that has faced so much adversity mm-hmm. uh, in his life. Yeah. He was somebody who basically dealt with hardships growing mm. up. Yeah. And the level of success. And I remember he had an interview where he described what the presidency had did to his marriage. Oh. Uh, how he felt like he has a memoir that came out recently. Yeah. And um, I haven't had the chance to read it yet, but it's on my list. It's, it's on my list too. Yeah. Um, but I remember he was saying that uh, the presidency had such a strain on his marriage. Mm. And um, I just want to pick the mind of the individual and see exactly what was it about him mm-hmm. that made him push forth, you know, especially dealing with racism, dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, the approval of the country, let alone the world. Right. Um, you know, I mean, even though he was, as you know, people would say, a hit president, mm-hmm. where, you know, he was very likable in, right. comparison, in comparison to what's going on now. Um, you can only imagine that he had challenges. Yeah, like it's. Just, I find that when you're the first, whatever, okay. race, gender, occupation, whatever, when you're the first in that position, there is always going to be a level of challenges. And I'm not even talking about just human challenges or challenges of being a human. But just being the first, because everybody's going to be looking at you, you're going to set the president or presidents of everyone that comes after you just exactly. because by definition, you're the first, right? You're the trailblazer. Exactly. So, yeah, I, like I, regardless of how, what your beliefs are or what your stance is on Barack Obama and his presidency, I, I think personally me, I'm just like, you got to give him credit for being the first. I mean, that's just kind of like now with, um, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, like she's going to be the first black female president. So she's the first female, plus she's going to be the first black female. So she got a double right there. So it's going to be very interesting to see how her legacy is going to happen afterwards or what's going to be her legacy after her vice presidency. I, I think she's going to have some challenges ahead of her, but yeah. I, I really do think that um, by looking back on her career, you know, right. from you know, becoming the attorney general in, in like San Francisco, right? And you know, becoming the senator in California mm-hmm. to right. point to this point right here. Mm-hmm. She's had a relatively short mm-hmm. uh, political career, right? Versus a lot of people that were up for the job, mm-hmm. and um, I just think that that level of success that she has, you know, of course, she's going to have some challenges. Mm-hmm. I think that she's going to rise to the occasion and try to give. Best that she can along with Joe Biden. Uh, we'll just have to see. Like I get, I give anybody a chance, a fair shake on exactly what you can provide. Right, I, I agree. Um, even with Donald Trump, there's a part when I found out that he won, I was like, you know what? I gotta at least give him the benefit of the doubt, regardless of whether you like him, don't like him, fan, whatever. When he first was on, I was like, you know what? Let me give him a chance. And similar now with um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, I'm like, let me give them the chance. Right. So I agree with that hardly. So next question. 
If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it say and why? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I would probably a billboard, I would say your belief mm. carry you far. And that oh. would be all and that would be along the lines of my birthday. Okay. And I and, and that would probably be and I'll probably do something like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I like that. I like that. I like some, that. Some, some, some cheesy, but right, right. It, it, it would it would uh be along the lines of your belief will take you far because one mm -hmm. thing that I, I definitely understand is if you don't believe in yourself, mm -hmm. you should be your own worst enemy. Oh, most deaf, most deaf. Yeah, I mean, it was like catching a, an uppercut from Mike Tyson. You're gone, right? So you definitely want to make sure that you have a strong belief in yourself. You know, we oh. have belief. We we have belief in faith. We have mm -hmm. but we have a belief in trust in others. But the one thing that I've realized is a lot of people don't believe in themselves. Oh, no. I, I agree with that completely. A lot of people don't believe in themselves. And I think that if you believe in yourself, I mean, you can end up being your own cheerleading section and you would definitely succeed. But a lot of times, because we don't believe in ourselves as much as we should, we sell ourselves short. It's that negative. It's that negative self-talk, man. Like, uh, there's an African proverb that says, "If you defeat the enemy within, no enemy without can harm you." So you, essentially, all that breaks down to is that it's all up in here. You gotta get rid of that negative self-talk. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna sit here and get on some high horse to say I'm never down on myself or I never say anything bad about myself because it, the thought's there. But what that saying is essentially means is you can't stay there. Sure, negative thoughts can come in, but you have to learn how to get around those thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Come back and get, reaffirm yourself with positive actions and thoughts and stuff like that. If you wouldn't say it to your best friend, why would you say it to yourself? Exactly. Essentially. So what are the best resources that have helped you along your journey? Uh, best resources. Mm hmm. Um, family. Ah, uh, yeah. family, um, uh, mentors. Mm hmm. Uh, I, I, I would definitely have to be family mentors and my close friends because those guys either gave me something mm. to go to the next level, like how I even got started writing children's books first place right um my cousin mm -hmm. one that i um I, I helped illustrate the book for right so he didn't have to tell me how to mm -hmm. get into it you know he was like well you don't find your own path you know right but he gave me that resource mm -hmm. you know my wife was a resource but she helped mm -hmm. me edit the books I right think the reason why my books turned out the way they do is because she helped me shape that idea Right. Uh, my sister, mm -hmm. uh, prime example, 
I started drawing when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And she used to draw these funky-looking Mickey Mouse. You know, I mean, when you look at it, it kind of looks like a, a, a bear coming out of the surface. But it, it was Mickey Mouse. And, you know, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, wow. And <laughs> a quick story. Okay. Of how I got motivated in art. Mm. It was out of jealousy. I'm not oh, lie. really? Okay. Right. I was in second grade. Yeah. And um, I did a little stuff every now and then, you know, but mm-hmm. nobody really knew that I was doing anything. Okay. And um, except for like little art projects in class and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I was sweet on this girl, and out of respect for this classmate, I will yeah. not reveal her name. <laughs> but. I was sweet on this person, mm-hmm. you know, pushing on the swings, you know, letting right. on the slide first. Mm-hmm. I worked so hard to try to get this girl to notice me. Mm-hmm. And then we had this cat move in from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he had a high top fade. He knew how to do backflips. And on top of that, he knew how to draw. Right. This guy drew a picture uh-huh. and had a heart at the bottom. And you know this is a painful memory for me, so so yeah. Um, but anyway, uh huh. He drew this, and I'm looking at him like, "Are you serious? Like you just gonna draw a picture to steal my woman?" You know, the- <laughs> I was angry, so I it, so it pushed me to be a better artist because mm. I was jealous of his ability because mm-hmm. in my opinion. He yeah, was better. That's how he mm-hmm. got the girl. He right, was better. Yeah. So that was a resource for me. Okay. That was a resource for me, mm-hmm. even though it came from a negative standpoint. It was. A- <laughs> Wait, <laughs> was that was that a resource or was that motivation? <laughs> I would say both. Okay, say, fair I enough. Say, fair enough. It was it was a resource because it was like, oh, so this is how you get girls. You know, you draw uh huh, a Winnie the Pooh with hearts and stuff, and draw their name. Yo, whatever, whatever works as a resource and motivation, that's that's what works. Um, I've had stories of people similar to you, like jealousy. Uh, they they were envious, or they just it started out that way, and it just it grew to something else, and that's just who they became, you know. So whatever works, works, right? I, I mean, he was uh, he became a good friend of mine afterwards. Yeah, but at first I was like, oh, yeah. And and this and disclaimer, everyone. That was not me. I did not meet Julius until about seventh grade, so that was not me. Just to disclaimer. <laughs> it wasn't him. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. Okay. So our our next to last question is where can our audience buy your books and where can they connect with you, my friend? Okay. So when you go to Amazon, and this is the only place that's available at right now. Um mm-hmm. Go to Amazon and 
look up and as you can see at the bottom my name if you type that name in because if you type the title of my books it's going to take you all over the place gotta love amazon's algorithm but yeah i agree with you completely Go ahead. Uh, yeah so type my name into the search engine and um my books will show up that's how you be able to get it uh also to um to add to that my first book i want to be a superhero and i'm making an announcement here right now um it's being re-released in 2021 but in a spanish translation breaking news here folks you heard it here first nice all right all right yeah i thought it was important because one day i was sitting in the i was sitting in the family room with my wife and i was mm-hmm. just like and I kind of dozed off for a second and I woke up and right. it just came. And I was like, and I, and I remember putting it as a post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, you know, how would y'all guys feel if I released the book that I've done in Spanish? And, you know, I, I mean, it didn't necessarily get a lot of traction. Right. But enough people was interested into it enough that I was like, Another experiment, it can either fail or succeed. Yeah. But why not put yourself out there? Mm-hmm. So, um, my very first book, um, I Want to Be a Superhero, I'm going to have that translated in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And in small print at the bottom of the page, I will have the English translation. So that way, even English speaking yeah. families can get the book and read it and still get the translation. And learn a new language in the process. I love that idea, man. That's dope. I like yeah. that. So that was the idea. So I'm not going to give a release date right now, but mm-hmm. the idea is early 2021, mm-hmm. maybe February. I don't know, but okay. um, I want to I want to put that out there and also mm-hmm. put it out in the universe, so that way it can definitely be. Uh, I love that man. That's, that's what's come. That's what's. That's what it is, man. So you guys heard it here for first breaking news. I love that. And yes, we are all about manifesting our destinies here on Bite the Bullet because you just got to go out and jump out there and just do what you got to do and to get what you want. Like the universe loves it when you just ask and you go. Our Creator, Heavenly Father, if you ask, you'll receive. You don't. That's the way it works. So, Julius, I know you're a busy man. It's the holidays. I appreciate you so, so much, brother, for coming on here. Let me ask you, are there any final words of wisdom or just anything you'd just like to share with the audience before I let you go to finish out your day? Okay. Uh, One, uh, my latest book, Our Daddy's Love, here it is. Um, is that is on sale. This book was released in August of this year. Uh, make sure you go and check that out. Uh, if anybody wants to follow me, they can follow me on Instagram at eight at, at JP Art Studio nineteen eighty two Art. Uh, I kind of flubbed that a little bit. At JP nineteen eighty two Art Studios and at JP nineteen eighty two Books. Um, you'll see updates on my books on that page and on the art studios page you can see the random artwork that i do from time to time i still you know try to do um 
arts, whether it's paintings or whether it's digital art or just little, little sketches or whatever, or me riding the car, just chilling the music or whatnot. You'll mm-hmm. find all of that content there. Um, as far as words of wisdom, always, 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 if I cannot stress this enough, always make sure that you take care of yourself first. Mm. Mm-hmm. You cannot take care of self. You cannot even afford to take care of others. Mm. It is so important that you know knowledge of self. It's so important that you know who you are as a person. Mm. Your limitations actually surpassing those limitations. Whether I take care of self, whether it's mind, body, spirit, health. I cannot stress that enough. Take care of health. Mm-hmm. If you are complete as an individual and you are healthy, sound mind and body, anytime somebody needs support from you, you'll be able to give it on their tempers. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything I can really add to that because taking care of self is one of the most important lessons that I think I had to learn. Um, you got to do right by you first before you can do right by anybody else, just like how you're saying, Julius. So with that, everyone, we're going to call it a good night. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. All right. Peace. Thanks for having me.